And a moment ago, over the last few weeks, we've been in this journey through this little book in the Old Testament, the story of Habakkuk. It's a short book, but it tells quite an amazing story. Habakkuk is an individual who was born in a time of great chaos in the land of Judah. It was a disappointing season of, of cultural decline, a disappointing season of, of idolatry and injustice. People in power were taking advantage of those who didn't have power. And, and as the story opens, we see Habakkuk, this prophet, so, so concerned about his community that he's praying and he's complaining to God. Where are you? Why are you letting this happen? And of course, God answers his prayer, but the answer Habakkuk gets isn't an answer he expects. Habakkuk is told, don't worry, I'm going to deal with the problem, but I'm going to deal with it through the nation of Babylon. And this, this nation is actually going to run, run all over your country. That's not, the, that's, not the, that's not the answer Habakkuk was looking for. And so to his credit, he doesn't withdraw. He, he continues being honest with God and complaining to God. And he just says, wait a minute, this can't be. This, how can this be in any way an act of your justice for the horrific evil empire of Babylon to trample over our country? Where are you in the midst of this? How can, how can this be happening? And the message of God comes to Habakkuk again. And Habakkuk is told, don't worry, I, I will bring justice. While it may seem like the bad guy is winning in this scenario, that will not ultimately be the case. My justice will prevail, and, and God describes exactly what that will look like. But Habakkuk is also told, you know what, this, this isn't going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen immediately. Therefore, Habakkuk, you've got to wait. But as you wait, live by faith. Habakkuk, as you wait, I want you, I want you to trust me. I want you to lean into the reality of who I am and what I've done. And I want you to take steps of faith, even though it feels like your world is chaotic, even though it feels like I'm absent, even though it feels like everything around you is falling apart. As you wait, live by faith. And I think by the time we get to chapter 3, we begin to see some of what this looks like because you get to chapter 3 and... And what Habakkuk does is he remembers, right? He looks back. He, he, he remembers the way God has delivered his nation. And it's almost like he says, you know what? I don't understand what you're doing right now, God. I don't see you right now, but I do remember what you've done in the past. And I do remember your faithfulness. And I do remember ways I have seen you fulfill your promises. And so we get to the end of this short book, and it feels like I think Habakkuk has gone through this full range of thoughts and emotions. Not surprisingly, one of the things he's wrestling with is, is fear. I mean, he's been, he's been given a weighty, a heavy message. That's the way the message is described at the beginning of the book. It's, your nation's going to be conquered. And, that, that, that can only generate fear. In fact, as you get to the end of the, the book, here are the words that we read. He said, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones, and I love this, and my legs trembled. He said, man, I've, 
this message, oh my goodness, it's not what I expected. My, my feet were shaking underneath me. You could almost translate it this way, and I was scared stiff, right? My legs just felt like anchors. Haven't you known those situations where just, just due to some complex circumstance, due to some fear at work in your life, it's like you're immobilized. You're just, you lock up. And, you know, we, we talk about being scared stiff. It's like, ah, I can't do anything. And Habakkuk was, was wrestling with that. But, but he doesn't stay there. You see, sometimes in fear, I think, if we're not careful, the, the circumstances just overwhelm us and we get stuck. We become immobilized. Our lives turn inward. And the situation just takes over. I mean, this is a heavy message for Habakkuk, but, but ultimately he doesn't stay stuck in the fear because the last words we read in the book are these. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. And it's kind of an interesting contrast because on the one hand, he talks about his feet trembling, right? I'm, I'm in a situation that generates a great deal of fear and it's so easy just to be scared stiff and to get stuck there. But that's not what ultimately happens to Habakkuk because then he says, but, but God has made my feet like the feet of a deer. And, and on one level, level, that image communicates the idea of, of, of the ability to navigate treacherous terrain. But not only that, it communicates the idea of movement. Habakkuk says, you know, it's, I'm like the deer that's, it's, it's treacherous terrain, but I'm navigating and I'm, I'm moving to the summit. And ultimately what we see here is there's fear in his life, but he doesn't stay stuck. And you know, I think that there's so many lessons for us in this book as we've been learning. Lessons about the fact that in the midst of chaotic and challenging situations, we, we don't have to stay stuck. We, we can learn to be people that are leaning into faith, that are leaning and resting in the character of God, that are remembering, even if we don't quite understand what God is doing now, the reality of who he is, that he truly is, as we've sung, the God over all I know. And, and as we do that, not only are we taking steps of faith, we, we become people of hope because that's ultimately the way this book ends. I mean, it's, it's a challenging situation, but Habakkuk is living as an individual with hope. He's not getting stuck in the fear. As I think about that, over the last few years, one of the places where I've learned personally a lot about living in hope has been through our partnership as a church in Haiti. We started intentionally working in Haiti in the summer of 2012, and I think since then I've been to Haiti half a dozen times, and in the course of those trips and having people visit here, I've just had the opportunity to develop relationships with ministry leaders there. Our partnership with Step Seminary in Haiti and Wawa, the president, is here, and to spend time with him, spend time with his family and his home, to see other members of, of the staff and teaching faculty, and just, just spending time with people there has just it's been so challenging and a, really a deep level convicting to me because Haiti is a place that in so many ways is chaotic and has a variety of unique obstacles. We got to, in the course of these relationships, to see people that aren't getting stuck there but are, are really 
living in hope. And, you know, the reality is this, as we've been going down there, as we've been sending teams, and some of you have gone down there, you've been a part of this project directly. We've, we've wanted to go down as agents of the good news of Christ, as agents of the gospel, as people of hope. But I think in, in the course of going down and building these relationships, we've also been the students. I feel like I've been the, a learner in this process. So this morning, even as we've been talking about Habakkuk and being people who can live with hope, even hope in places where hope seems hard, we want to give you an update on our work in Haiti and what we've been doing. We want to give you an update even as, as you've been praying, as you've been giving and participating financially over the years, and some of you even have gone directly and spent time on one of our teams. We want to give you an update on that partnership. And really... In some ways, flowing out of that partnership, we also want to tell you about a new step that we're taking as a church in a different part of the world where it seems like God is giving us a new opportunity to, to really be agents of the gospel, to be agents of hope. And we're going to have an opportunity to participate in this part of the world as well. So to... to uh, Give us this update. Can I walk us through this? Uh, Dave Hyatt, I'm going to invite you here. And Wawa, would you join him? Would you help me in welcoming Wawa back to Hershey Free Church? Thank, Thank you, sir. Thank you, George. Thank you. I get no hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> That's more like it. Yeah. <clears throat> Now I'm secure. It's all good. So, <laughs> hey, good morning, folks. It's great to be with you on uh, this wonderful snowy morning. We ordered the snow up just for Wawa. And so he could, uh, no, this poor guy, I'm sorry, man. Suffer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it is great to be with you this morning. Um, it's, it's been a privilege to me. You know, I used to count how many times I've been to Haiti. But now, I, I don't know, I've changed passports in, in there somewhere. So I have no idea. Hey, Denise, uh, how many times I've been down there. But um, it's been just a, a life-changing experience for, for me in many regards. Um, and to, to George's point, we went thinking, oh, you know, we'll go check it out. We probably have some things to offer. But, um, man, we have just, I, I swear, taken a lot more uh, from our partnership with Haiti learned a lot more than, than, um, than we've invested there. But it's, it's been a privilege, brother. So, Wawa, thank you for being with us. Some of you know Wawa. Please just introduce yourself and, and what you do. Um, good morning. My name is Wadestran Jean-Baptiste. People call me Wawa. That's what he just did uh, to make it easier. And uh, I am privileged to serve at Step Seminary as president. But my passion is to teach and to influence uh, people. So discipleship has been my passion all along, and God has allowed us, as uh, I serve as president, to develop a new approach at Step Seminary so discipleship can become the new culture of the seminary, and that is encouraging for me to see that happen. And I have to thank the church here, Hershey Free, uh, the leaders here, and all those who have gone to Haiti to encourage us in that area, because if we didn't have discipleship going on in Haiti and working in the communities, I don't think I would be able to stay in the position of president. Yeah, that is, it's so obviously your passion. The first time uh, George and I had an opportunity to, to spend time with Wawa, it was at a, I think a faculty retreat that he invited us to, and um, 
But as we were asked to come and to speak, uh, you know the expert effect where they say exactly what you say, but um, they just are out of town. So they're from out of town. So they'll listen. So Wawa's been saying this to his fellow faculty members and to others for years. Like, we are not just delivering content to students. We don't just want to get things in their head, but we want to see their lives transformed so that they transform the communities around us. If they learn a lot about the Bible and they can preach nice messages, but they don't change the world, we've done a bad job, guys. And uh, so he's been beating his head against that wall. And he said, can you help me? Come beat your heads against the wall too. So we're like, sure. We'll, we'll. But it was, it was awesome. George and I and Tim Cho were down at the first faculty retreat and talked about, you know, the, not just the content delivery of Jesus, but that he also spent time with people and he modeled ministry to them. And that changed the world. And we're sitting here as evidence of that. So, Wawa, thanks for the, part, for the opportunity to come alongside you, brother. I'd love to ask you, as we've been talking about this theme of, of hope, um, you know, it, hope assumes suffering. It, it assumes that there's some level of difficulty in life, something that you need to hope for, right? Um, so I, I just wanted to ask, what's the, um, how in, in Haiti, you know, uh, we at least have some mental image in our mind of, of what's going on there, what has gone on. But how do you maintain hope in the midst of that, uh, in the midst of, of the context there? Is the same God there? Before I mention, I answer the question, let me mention that knowing my culture, I know that the professors of Step Seminary would rather hearing from a white person, because if a white guy says something, it goes uh, quicker. So I brought George and, and Pastor Dave Hyatt and Tim Cho uh, to just communicate the same thing that I had been communicating. And you were uh, witnesses right there. They said, yes, we have to start doing things differently. <laughs> it was amazing. So thank you, guys. Um, hope, against hope. Uh, everybody who knows about Haiti, who would read about Haiti or who watch uh, news about Haiti, you would see that there is not much there that could inspire hope if you look at the reality around you, the situation, uh, the circumstances uh, there, the injustice and everything. We Haitians God has helped us, especially those who believe in him, because faith goes hand in hand Amen. with hope. If you don't believe the promises of God, if you don't believe what the Bible says about God, if you don't believe uh, uh, the, the perspective God is giving us about who he is, we have the wrong view of God, we would have difficulty having hope in the middle of difficult circumstances. But there is a passage in the Old Testament in Psalm 94 that God has given me. It's Psalm 94 verses 9 and 10 where God is speaking to the author of the psalm who thought that God was not even looking. God was on vacation probably because he did not see what was happening uh, around the author of, of the psalm. So much injustice and other things happening. So he was like calling God to, to, to wake up, to say, how long are you going to do something? And God spoke to him saying, I created the eye. You think I don't see? And if you, if you look around you, so many eyes even here. And when you think about the world, God has created a lot of eyes. And God says, I created the eye. You think I don't see? He said, I created the ears. You think I don't hear? I created the mind, you think I don't understand? 
He says, I have punished the nations, and you think I will just leave this? God has a plan, and in the rest of the passage, he talks uh, about the fact that he has a time set to address issues that are going on around the world. So we learn to keep our eyes on this God who is in control, who sees, who hears, who understands, who has a plan for the world, and we know that he has a good plan. There is a saying in Haiti that says, uh, as long as I'm not beheaded, I hope to wear a hat. <laughs> so that's, that's what keeps us going. And we see how God is working also in the middle of the circumstances. We can see his hand at work because a lot of things that are happening, definitely it's because God is moving because they would not just happen by chance. Even the partnership we have with Hershey Free, to have somebody like you, like Mark Lewis, who has been to Haiti coming alongside us the way it has been happening, and for us to be able to walk out there and change lives. Those who have been to Haiti here in this crowd, they have seen around our campus what things look like. And God has been providing resources and people coming with teams to work with us, to, to uh, provide houses for people, to share the gospel with people, to see kids coming up, uh, uh, hearing the gospel and res responded, responding to it, having Bible studies uh, 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 begin uh, right in the middle of where the gangs are fighting. Just to have the grace to walk out and be there and for our lives to be protected as we try to touch lives of those uh, gang leaders, their wives, their children, and changing the reality uh, holistically, it's just because God is alive and well, that he is on his throne, and he is the one opening the doors for us to be able to do that. So that's what keeps us going. Amen. Well, I wanted to also ask the, um, you know, there's a, a lot that goes around STEP campus. I mean, there's, so STEP is a, is a Bible college, seminary, trains uh, future pastors and, and other leaders for the Haitian church. But around it is a very difficult environment, gang violence, it's a, it's a very poor, broken area. I mean, and you guys, rather than just hold up in there or maybe move to a, a different part of, of the city, Step has been there for over 70 years, so they're not going anywhere. They, um, uh, you reach out into the community, but it's not just, I mean, it, it is motivated by compassion and love, but you also have, you want to model some things to students. Tell us about that, how that's worked to engage students? Uh, STEP's uh, mission is to train leaders to make disciples of Christ, to transform their communities to the glory of God. I, I have to say thank you to Mark Lewis in particular, who helped us go back and look at our missions ag mission again, because we, we had that, this mission since 1997 crafted, but we were not actually looking at the actual wor wording of it, and then to uh, demonstrate to live it out as we were supposed to. So Mark Lewis, when he started uh, helping us to go back and look at details about the mission and see what it is uh, for a community to be transformed, that got us to think about, okay, if we say we are training leaders to make disciples, they have to be discipled. If we say we want to transform communities, we have to go where the needs are. So we, we do those two things. One is to change the culture of STEP Seminary to not only uh, spend time with students in classrooms, to train them in the world so they know 
Bible verses, there are no theology that we transfer a lot of knowledge to them, but to help them uh, the same way Jesus did with his disciples himself, uh, living life with them to influence them. So we, we decided that as our faculty members and staff members that we would spend time with the students. So STEP Seminary has a different approach now where students are in the homes of the professors every other weekend or for some they do it even one weekend after another or they are on the roads with uh, professors going places so they can have opportunities to watch the professors in action and the staff members and they get to watch the students also and there is a lot of learning uh, that happens as as we do so this is in something intentional that we have been doing so we can uh, have the discipleship uh, uh, go uh, for move forward but also we uh, there was a time when we were thinking about leaving the area because we have gangs behind us in front of us on our left side on our right side we have uh, those uh, uh, people it was a uh, very scary but we started uh, thinking about okay if we need to transform communities where we are is exactly the mission field <laughs> we have so we started not uh, hiding inside the walls of the campus, but going out there intentionally, walking around, uh, meeting with gang leaders, talking to them, and trying to get ways uh, that would allow us to go and, and uh, address issues in the community. That's when we started building houses for families, because we never knew how bad things were outside of the wall before. When we started going there, it's like tears come down in your eyes because you see people are not living as human beings. So we decided to come alongside people and, and, and help. And as we do, we involve our students at the seminary and professors together and with an agenda to not only make friends with people as we build houses, but to share the gospel. And we've seen a lot of people coming to Christ in the process. And now we have Bible studies that are uh, being developed in the communities and step students are uh, uh, leading those Bible studies and people gather in homes that we have uh, built for families in the community. We have one graduate of STEP Seminary who is now the coordinator of that program. And I want to thank Hershey again because at Hershey, somebody has provided resources to be able to hire this person full-time to coordinate works from uh, among the students and the community work building and Bible study groups that are uh, working. And Dave Hyatt mentioned a while ago that it's uh, in the first service that this is house churches. We are developing house churches because those people, they don't have good shoes, which is something Haitians come up with as, as excuses to not go to church. So instead of uh, inviting them to go to uh, an established church, we, we develop house churches with them right where they are in the community. And everything will be happening uh, among them until they discover, oh, we are a church. And we will say, yes, you are. Amen. <laughs> but they come to that conclusion on their own. So it's awesome. Yeah. And so I wanted to um, just, just thank you. We are, this, this past year, we had to cancel several teams just because of some of the violence that was going on around the campus and some things. But it seems like that's um, calmed down as far as I can tell. And we're, we're planning on sending the team this February. And uh, five teams this, this coming year in your bulletin that you received. There's more information about how you can jump in on a team. So um, I want to actually, 
Wawa, you re- referenced Mark Lewis a couple times here. So Mark has um, been a supported missionary uh, from Hershey Free Church for well, um, over 10 years now. And uh, Mark and I and his wife and my wife, we used to sit right there. And uh, I sing, and Mark kind of does too. So we would uh, <laughs> we'd belt it out together. But um, it's, and he got married right here. So I'm just excited to have you come up, but it was uh, uh, awesome. So we met Wawa through, through Mark and uh, his work with the Free Church. So I just want to ask you to share a little bit about, um, you know, obviously it was the earthquake initially that, that had you down in Haiti, but what's got you, you've been to a lot of places and left a lot of places, but you keep going back to Haiti. So what keeps you there and what's going on? Yeah, thanks, David. It was through the, uh, the, the EFCA's response to the 2010 earthquake that, uh, that got me to go to Haiti and, um, and connected with Wawa and, and a, a number of partners there. And what has developed out of that initial response to the earthquake is what we call the Haiti Consortium. It's a partnership of, uh, of um, institutions and churches uh, in Haiti Reach Global, the mission, U.S. churches, as well as international partners that we have from around the world that, are, that come together uh, with a, a common vision to see the gospel transform Haiti through the establishment, the reproduction of healthy, disciple-making churches within walking distance of every family in Haiti. And uh, as we've had the privilege of, uh, of connecting with Wawa and other leaders, um, we've developed a number of focus areas for the consortium. And, and this is, in fact, Dave, what has me coming back to Haiti uh, many times a year. In the consortium, we're focused on uh, healthy church and disciple multiplication, a worldview transformation, leader development and organizational renewal and, and organizational clarity. Wawa mentioned that, something that we've been working together on for years. The sending of Haitian missionaries to the world, uh, theological education, oral discipleship, and community development. These are all initiatives that we're collaborating on. And uh, Wawa and I just spent this past week together uh, with a number of other senior leaders of denominations, uh, other seminary presidents, and what we call the Haitian Movement Leader Network. We meet twice a year for a week at a time to just invest in one another, to learn from one another, and to strategize, to collaborate. How do we advance these in these topic areas to bring the glory, the kingdom of God in a very present, tangible way uh, in the country of Haiti, while at the same time transforming us as, as co-laborers with the Haitian church. And I just want to thank you, Dave, George, um, thank you, church, for sending my wife and I, my wife Denise is here as well, my son Caleb, thank you for sending us as your missionaries. Um, we're grateful for your investment, for your care, and your prayer uh, for us. It's our prayer privilege. And I want to pray for, for these guys. Ask George to come up. I, I honestly don't know two guys who work harder uh, for the cause of Christ and his glory than these guys. So, George, I'm going to ask you to pray if you would, brother. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you just for this update from uh, Step Seminary and our work in Haiti. We thank you that even in the midst of uh, what is a, a very tumultuous and unstable area, you continue to send new students. I thank you just for the way in which Step Seminary is reaching out into the community around and, 
and having an impact, but not only having an impact, that, that creating just development opportunities for their students to see how they can engage the communities that they will be serving and ministering to as they go out as graduates from this school. I pray you'd continue to give Wawa strength and empowerment as well as the members of his team and faculty. And thank you for just the new steps they're taking. We also just thank you for the Lewises and our partnership with them. Continue to work with Mark as he's all over the world responding to a variety of needs and crises as they unfold. So uh, we just celebrate the fact that you have brought us into relationships that move us beyond ourselves and move us into other parts of the world in meaningful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Thank you guys. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. Now we get to the, but wait, there's more portion of our program. Because um, we, uh, George mentioned that we're going to be talking about a new partnership that we're starting. One of the most interesting things that I found when I got to Haiti and we're talking about hope is that um, people in the Haitian church were talking about how do we reach out? How do we go to other countries? How do we get to the world? Um, there are millions of believers here. We've been receiving missionaries for 100 years. When's it our turn to go? Um, the, the coffee that you drank this morning, probably if you drink coffee and, and not decaf, um, is Haitian pearl coffee. It was grown in Haiti, and the proceeds of that went to help plant, ch plant churches in Haiti and to send Haitian missionaries around the world. There's a Haitian missionary couple living in Senegal. They were uh, classmates of, of Wawa from Step that are living in Senegal and doing church planting. They speak French. Um, they have a, a worldview that's real similar to, to some of the folks in Africa. So there are great reasons to mobilize and send the Haitian church. And as we were thinking about our next step as, as a church, that kind of at least started the, the needle turning towards West Africa. Um, some other things, some, some deliberate prayer and um, engagement with a couple organizations led us more strongly to a place in, in West Africa named Burkina Faso. So I want you to watch with me a, uh, a couple brief videos about Burkina Faso. Hello, Hashifli. Good morning. My name is Martins, and this is Shade. My wife. We how much we love to be with you this morning. We are sorry we cannot make it, and we want to appreciate you and thank you for helping the people of Cuba community to come out of poverty into sustainable development. And 
we we really love to have been in Hershey today but so sorry we couldn't make it and I look forward to another time I'll pray hard I'll be there <laughs> and we thank you for helping this same community not only to move out of uh, poverty into sustainable development but also to get to know Jesus thank you for your contribution and your partnership God bless you they're happy about the new grinding and milling machine happy thank you <laughs> So, I'm telling you about a new partnership that's actually been going on for about a year. But uh, we, I went to Burkina Faso for the first time in 2017 with Dave Shepard, another member of the church here, and uh, to investigate, should we get involved there? Is that a place um, that we could get involved with this particular organization, Global Hope International? Um, I have a, a, a great friend of mine from, uh, from the Middle East that I got to know while we lived there. And he said, Dave, come, come check this out. And I was like, well, let, let's see how it goes. And then the rest of the missions team um, heard about what Global Hope was doing with transformational community development at a conference we were at. And they were like, that sounds awesome. We should get involved in that. I'm like, well, I happen to know the guy who's in charge of all that. But I just didn't want to do it because he was my buddy. You know, you can't just go jump in because, hey, I have a friend. Let's give him a lot of money. Um, that's max of nepotism, right? So we didn't, but whenever the whole team was led the same way independently, I'm like, maybe we should check it out. So we did. Went to Burkina Faso and um, to this particular village. Now, Global Hope works all over the world, but we wanted to go to, um, to a majority Muslim world where there were um, unreached people. Um, we were pointing towards West Africa because of the connection with Haiti, the French-speaking, Francophone Africa, and the Haitian church is looking to send missionaries to West Africa number of those things were pointing us there, so we began to pray, went, and indeed um, discovered an opportunity that, you know, hate to say it, but we couldn't pass up. So, uh, so we started to, uh, to partner with Global Hope. We sent another team earlier this year to work in, in the village of Cuba. So let me tell you a little bit about the village. It's about 1,000 people, 900 people in this village. Um, it's near the, the capital city of Ouagadougou. Get to say that five times fast. Um, great as a farming village um, that is, but experienced crushing poverty, very, very poor. And um, so what Global Hope is doing when they adopt villages around the world and they put them in partnership with, um, with churches and other organizations so they can see gospel transformation happen and transformational community development. So both um, spiritual and physical transformation, and they work in five areas. So TCD, I'll just read this definition for you. Transformational community development is a coaching-based process for helping a village transform itself out of poverty. Uh, TCD staff help the village form uh, five development committees, then coach the committees in low-cost, low-tech, locally available ways to lead the village to sustainable transformation. So these are the five areas. I won't drill down on each of them, but um, you'll be hearing more over the next five years, and you have some stuff in your bulletin about them, but um, water, clean, abundant water is one of the most important things you can do. Food, providing food security, wellness uh, in the form of health and sanitation, education for kids and adults, adult education and, childhood, and income, income development. So, um, so it's, that's the process. Now, I, I, it's not a program. We don't have a bag of tricks like here's what we'll do to, to change the village because I have no idea how to transform a village in Burkina Faso. I know, right? I, I don't know about that. How, how can I go on living with that? But they do. 
Honestly, there's some really, really clever solutions that, that are right there, resonant. They just need help. They need some coaching. They need some folks to um, relieve some external stress for just a moment so they can think to get them together. So these five committees form and around one committee around each of these issues, and they begin to brainstorm. How can we fix this? How do we address this problem? How do we define the problem? And once they've defined it, they begin to solve it. So the first two things they've picked are water as their, their biggest need. Uh, they've seen that as a, as a uh, the, the water in the village. They have to walk a long, long distance to get water. And education because the kids cannot get to a school. So they're, they're working in those areas. Um, we have committed to help with the village, at a, um, to give annually to the village $15,000 a year. Additionally, we're, gonna, um, we're looking to help drill a well near the, 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 near the center of the village. And one of the things we're going to do um, for our, our Christmas ask this year, along with that, that annual commitment, is a, um, raise some funds for a goat loan. Uh, they, they loan goats to families. They each get two goats, a little pink goat, blue goats, and uh, those goats reproduce. And two years later, they repay them. So um, in keeping with the goat theme, it's our kids' step. Kids, goats, you get it. Um, will be um, there. They'll be the ones focused on raising those funds this Christmas. Okay, but we together are going to raise funds for um, goats for for the village of Cuba. So you'll be hearing a lot more about that. That's our Christmas Eve service. There um, will be an opportunity to give towards that. Now, the purpose of all of this is yes to alleviate that that physical crushing poverty, but also to bring about spiritual transformation. The, the TCD, the Transformational Community uh, Development Worker who lives in the city is also a church planter in this little village. And um, when Dave Shepard and I were in, uh, in Burkina Faso, we got to go visit a village that was just graduating. And people were coming from villages around there to, to say what they did here in this little village of Saneba, we started doing. In fact, one pastor said, you know, we started practicing some of the things they're doing in their village, and all the Muslims used to run from us. Now they run to us to ask for solutions. So that the, um, what's done in one village begins to spread. Good news spreads very quickly. So, so we're going to be partnering with this village, um, but it's going to spread. And the, the last thing I want to talk about with the village is that it will also be, this is a training center. Uh, again, when Dave and I were there, this, this village was being made into a training center. So there were 40 pastors from six different countries coming to this village to learn these principles of TCD. So they could put them in their tool belt. They could go back. If you, if you come into a village that's animist or Muslim and you say, I want to plant a church, you don't get a whole lot of traction. But if you come and say, hey, I want to see, I want to help alleviate poverty. I want to train you in how you can lift your village out of poverty and tell you the good news that I'm demonstrating here and I'm proclaiming here. And people are like, I want to listen. So that, that's um, what's going to be going on with our village of Cuba. So you can learn a lot more about that um, uh, this afternoon. We're going to be having lunch together at 12.15. You're all invited. If you all turn up, it'll be meager portions, but we'll still have a great time uh, over in the auditorium. And, uh, and the cafe, core cafe, rather. And then 6 o'clock tonight, uh, we'll be together for a time about Haiti and Burkina Faso. So both those things are going to be going on. So you can learn more. Um, Last thing I want us to talk about is, um, ah, let's see, last thing. So we are, we're not forgetting Haiti, though. I did want to say we, we are continuing. One of the, my FAQ things here is to say we are not 
ending our partnership in Haiti, one of the reasons we deliberately did these two things together is say they're integrated. In fact, I hope Wawa and uh, another uh, STEP student or faculty will be able to accompany us to Burkina Faso this year because we want to make those, those connections and uh, continue to learn together. Uh, we want to emphasize that this is not just a, a humanitarian, physical, we want to re- alleviate physical suffering because that is important, but we also want to address the deepest needs that people have for a relationship with God. So friends, <clears throat> I wanted to, um, we're going to move into a time of, of communion, and I can't think of a better way of celebrating um, the, our unity in, in Christ as believers from all over the world than to, uh, to celebrate communion Together, So I'm going to ask Pastor Wawa to lead us in, in communion this morning as the ushers head to the back there. Good morning again. We're going to um, participate in communion together. Um, as Dave just said, in his death, uh, Jesus Christ opened the doors. Uh, for uh, people from all over the world, uh, wherever they come from, uh, uh, color, height, um, whatever the differences would be, cultural, tongue, that would come together in the body of Christ in unity. And we're going to celebrate this this morning as we take communion. Um, the, the elements we are going to take, uh, the bread represents the body of Christ. Uh, his flesh that was crushed for us on the cross and uh, the wine, uh, the beverage we're going to have represents, it's a symbol of his blood that was shed for us also, uh, all of us. And so this is what unites us, opens the door for reconciliation uh, between us and God and also to bring us together as one family. So we're going to do that this morning. If you're here and you know Christ already, and you feel that your heart is right and 